What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 285 of Two Amazon Sellers in a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. Uh, and today we're we're talking about one of my favorite topics for sure: uh, arbitrage selling. Yeah, using a repricer to help win the buy box. Uh, this company, Aura. Uh, that I use them personally. So I've got tons of questions. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and coming back to join us to talk all about their new, uh, is it 1.0? Is that right? Yeah, 1.0. Yep. 1.0, their new upgrade. I can't wait to hear everything about it. Uh, Dylan Carter, the co-founder of Aura. What's up, Dylan? Not, well, a lot. I usually say not much, but in this case, a lot, actually. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of changes. Um, you know, we, we just released last Tuesday. Um, so we've been super busy the last 18 months. We have legitimately redesigned the architecture. Every piece, of, every line of code has been rewritten in a different language even. So it, it's a lot. It's been fun. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we're talking about uh, arbitrage selling, retail arbitrage, mm -hmm. wholesaling. Um, you know, this is something I've gotten into uh, probably about a year ago to supplement my private label brands. Uh, I always found it fascinating. We had you on uh, a long time ago talking about it. I started using it and, uh, and there, there's so much in the repricing space I and mean, there's so many different yeah. strategies and tactics. And I usually found that most tools were very basic. You know, you yeah. get a min and a max price and it would reprice it. And then I know it's evolved so much. So I'd love to just get some an overview of just like some, some of the changes. What is 1.0? What's different? Yeah. Your interface before was slick. Uh, <laughs> great. Now it looks really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, and, uh, just I just migrated yesterday to this, so I'm mm -hmm. getting my, my sort of my hands in it. But uh, you want to yeah. just sort of talk about what what's changed? What are, what are you sure. doing different now? Yeah, so we're calling it 1.0 because um, actually if you're in legacy aura, as we're now call, calling the old system, if you look in the version in the bottom left, it's 0 0.9 something, right? Um, it's not tongue in cheek. We're not trying to be playful. Like for us, legacy aura was and still is in beta, right? It's not a major one. And when you build software, you don't build it to scale super far, tens of thousands of users because you just don't know if you're going to get that traction, right? So you make certain decisions, um, especially you know seven years ago. You make certain um, architecture backend decisions of like how certain things should work. You know, even you know what? How do you define what repricing is in your system? Let alone strategies and stuff like that, right? So, what we designed for seven years ago made a ton of sense back then, and we really got tons of traction. We grew way faster than we ever thought we would, um, and that's awesome. And then. When you eventually get to a point where you need to pause and say, okay, well, can our current architecture get us where we want to go moving forward? Um, and we took a, a hard look. You know, we haven't touched product in, in a few years because we really had to think about this seriously, right? This is not something we just want to patch, right? This is a, you know, how do we make one decision that really is going to positively affect the next five to 10 years for not only us as a company, but our users. Um, and so the old system just was not as easy to add new features, fix bugs, all that good stuff. So we're like, all right, well, Every line of code we write for the old system is now a line of code we didn't write for the, a new, better system. And so we spent the last 18 months um, actively rebuilding that from the ground up, um, which enabled us to add some amazing, cool features that just is not possible unless you completely rebuild your architecture, which is crazy. Um, we happen to already be doing it, so it made sense for us to add some of these features as we went. And so 1.0, it really is that. This is what we envisioned Aura to be when we first sat out to build it. Um, 
And so, I mean, there's, there's so much there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> literally everything is new and I appreciate the, the, um, the comment about the, 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 the design previously, you know, the term when we started surveying users and having conversations, you know, we, we beta tested even designs. We didn't write code by 300 of our users just to get feedback. You know, does this flow make sense? You know, try it, does it break? And when we asked people what they thought about us, a lot of, it was funny, we, we didn't give a bank of words or anything. We just said, what do you think? Just, you know, give us three words. The word intuitive came up like eight out of 10 times. We're like, wow, that's pretty interesting, you know? Uh, so we wanted to lean more into that um, in a more modern way. You know, old Aura looks still looks really cool, but the new version is far more modern and honestly just faster. And we wanted that to come through in the product. So, you know, we didn't just rewrite the code. We actually have uh, Tasso on our team. He's a product designer. Um, he comes from Crayon, Quantopian, um, a bunch of other startups. And like, this is what he does, like full-time on our team. Like he's there to design not only what it looks like, but how it feels and how it works. And so he even designed a design system where it's scalable itself. Not only the, the technology is like we can add new features, but even like where do features sit? How do we add that to the design so it stays looking well as we continue to grow? Um, so this 1.0 system, there's a ton of new stuff there, certainly, but we're not done. Like this is just the new foundation. <laughs> the roadmap of features and stuff we want to add post this relaunch is dramatically longer than the things we've added. And we've added a ton actually. So, well, so how does this work? Let me let yeah. me get the rundown. Just like lay it out for me from like as simple as you can. Uh, how, yeah. how does this work when somebody comes and uses your software, especially for you know wholesale sure. or, or retail or? Yeah, yeah. So great question. So um, repricing as a whole, if it's the audience isn't familiar with it, essentially, all right. So eighty-two percent of organic sales, roughly, happen in the buy box. So if you're a reseller and there's at least two of you. Every time you're not in the buy box, you are not positioned to get a sale. So what repricing does is it runs algorithms 24-7 to ensure that you're well positioned for sales. So repricing tools don't generate sales. What we do is we actually put you in the right position to get sales and ideally also protect profits, right? So fundamentally, we're doing two outcomes, more velocity and higher profits. Sometimes you go one way versus the other. Sometimes you get a balance and we can talk about that. Um, so just 24 seven, right? Like users create their own strategies. Um, we you know, call them algorithms, call them strategies. Um, and you're just going in there and saying, Hey, here's kind of how I want you to manage my SKUs, my pricing. Here's my minimum. Don't go below it. Here's my maximum. I don't want to go, go above it. And in these types of scenarios, here's what I want you to do. And so most people, when you're talking rule-based strategies, will essentially create multiples of these and each one's designed for a different outcome. So you might have a liquidation strategy that says, you know what, I want to be really aggressive. Um, I don't want to raise my price as often and I'm willing to go down to break even 0% ROI. So we can automatically calculate that minimum price. Um, other ones, you know, Q4 is going to be slightly different. Q1 is going to be slightly different as well. Um, and so that's essentially what we're doing at a high level. Do you have like templates that people can just use? Like, hey, this is my liquidation template. This is the Q4 template. This mm -hmm. is overstock template. Like, you know. Yeah, like so that. not exactly to that degree. We do have like pre-configured strategies. We we essentially have a recommendation for what we see work really well. Um, that's called the oscillation strategy. And what that is designed to do, and oscillation is just a wave. It goes up and down, right? So if you want to make more money and increase sales velocity, actually really hard economically those two things oppose each other right okay so how do we take advantage of this what we do is we say if you 
how do you get more sales? You get in the buy box more. How do you get in the buy box more? Well, you have a better offer. Unfortunately, with Amazon, a better offer means a lower offer. So to increase sales velocity, we reprice below buy a penny to increase buy box ownership percentage. Now, if I just left it there, I get the comments about, you know, penny chasing and price tanking, 1,000%, I get it. The second point is when we go back up. This is what makes it an oscillation. Once you've reached a minimum price, we then reset you to a maximum price and start this loop all over. What happens in that is we increase the actual velocity of sales, so the unit sold here, and we're resetting the average net profit per unit as we go up. So from what we've seen a lot of times, we can at least maintain a healthy average net profit per unit by moving more units, which is good. And actually, in some cases, we can actually have a slightly higher um, average net profit per unit and move more units. So a lot of people have this preconceived notion that repressing below by a penny is horrible. Kind of, if we're being simplistic about it, but if you're being strategic, that's actually not the case. You can actually increase profitability um, while moving more units doing that. Where we're going is a very different world. <laughs> and this is where um, like our AI model comes into play, which we can talk about, because I think things are starting to change. Um, so most of the time, we're, if a user is coming to us and they're like, we have no idea what to do, how do I get started? Um, our support team is not outsourced. You got Finn and I'm actually hiring a, a second person now. Um, we will do it with you and for you. So a lot of times people will come and say, here's the thing that I'm trying to achieve. Great. That's all we need. We can jump in and help you tweak strategies, optimize them, all that good stuff. Because it can be overwhelming. And we try to reduce that level of overwhelm. Like I, I, mean, I jump into Zoom calls with users all the time, just to dive in and say, <laughs> what's happening? What's going on? Where can we make these little tweaks to increase performance? Um, and so we, we don't have templates in the sense of they're, they're super specific, but we do have general ideas and recommendations. Yeah, that's, that's good. Cause you know, this Amazon world is, is complex already. So to try to make yeah. it easier for sellers to you know, use tools is something that Dustin and I do. So it's good to mm -hmm. see that you guys are also doing that. Yeah. <laughs> we get tons of questions too. Like, how do you do this and that? So it's yeah. good. I got a, I got a question for Dustin actually. Dustin, how do you use, how do you use this tool? Well, just like Dylan said, and this is why I'm so excited about like where <laughs> uh, where my my missed opportunities are. Um, yeah. But I mean, and I, like I said, I'm getting uh, my feet wet with 1.0. But essentially, I've created a strategy where my minimum ROI is 10%, my maximum ROI, and that's a, well, that's what I'm setting. So it's like minimum ROI, 10%, mm -hmm. maximum ROI. It fluctuates, whatever, 100%, 150%. I've got questions on that because that seems yeah, like yeah. that can get out of whack too. Um, but it's all it's so streamlined. So I mean, I'm using a prep center uh, right now, uh, inventory labs where I put my yeah. cost of goods. So like literally when the prep center sends the, the inventory in, it pops up automatically in Aura. My cost of goods are automatically there. So all I have to do, and I can do it in bulk, is just turn on the repricer. Mm -hmm. And it pulls all the FBA fees and everything else. So it knows it calculates what that 10%, what the min price would be for a 10% mm -hmm. ROI. Nice. So it's very simple. Like, and by the way, even the task of you going in to enable and setting the strategy, you don't have to do. So we have a, a feature called workflows. It's kind of like our mini version of Zapier. You create these automated rules. We have triggers. They're now called events in 1.0 and then actions. And so you can actually have an event that says when a new listing comes in, the action is assign this strategy and enable it. 
So okay. you can put your account on full automation if you want. <laughs> well, that's huge, actually. Yeah. Sometimes I I don't check every day, and I've, now I'm starting yeah. to order a lot more and new, you know, and I'm you know, ten units here, twenty units here. It's all different yeah. products all the time. So yeah. having that is is huge. But yeah, Chris, yeah. it's so easy. Like, Good. and and now it gets into other questions I have. But I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> coming coming back full circle, just for people that are listening. And understanding the importance of this, um, you know, arbitrage, uh, online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, all those are very popular. Uh, there's a lot of gurus out there talking about mm -hmm. it. You know, I actually love the model. It's been really fascinating and fun. But outside of sourcing the products, you know, making good buys, you know, that's that's a critical step. Outside of that, your repricing strategy is key. Yep. It's key. If you don't have a good one. Your, your inventory is going to sit there and sit there and sit there and not sell. And you will not get that cash flow that you need to make mm -hmm. this a successful business. And so I feel like I've been really trying to figure out the way to optimize that the best. And now I can unload on all of my questions because <laughs> <laughs> this is where it gets. And I'm really curious into like the oscillation. Sure. How do I know? How do I know if I've got that oscillation feature turned on? Um, so it's a strategy you're going to create. So you can't go into or and say, I want the oscillation strategy. It's something we create. Um, it's really only two things that really make it the oscillation strategy, which is interesting because there's a number of settings, but it's only two. Um, the first one is when you're repricing. So in the pursuit section, you say, I'm going to reprice below by penny. You should be targeting the buy box. And then you say, once I've reached my minimum price, go to my maximum price. That alone is the, the oscillation strategy. Now, here, here's the problem. If you ask me what, what my go-to strategy was a year ago, I had a pr pretty good answer and this was my answer. Works 80% of the time, right? There's always gonna be exceptions. Um, there is some difficulty to it because it's, it's not perfectly optimized. It's not factoring in a ton, right? It's very reactive, which makes sense. It's rule-based. Um, and you mentioned max prices, you're, right? You're like, how, you know, am I saying that right, wrong? Let's talk about that for a moment. Minimum prices have everything to do with you and your buy cost. Max prices have nothing to do with you. It's irrelevant. A maximum price is the realistic upper bounds of a sale per SKU. And that fluctuates, by the way, right? Because a max price for a toy in Q4 is very different than that same toy in Q1. So it needs to be elastic in that way, right? It needs to be able to grow and scale, right? If the demand for a SKU is increasing, so there's way more sales, well, naturally, you would assume based on economics, my max price should go slightly higher, and the inverse should also be true. So we realized when we started to rebuild Aura, the world is changing, right? We, we're, we're all seeing AI and all these things. And like, yeah, a lot of times AI, the term is misused entirely, for sure, especially in the Amazon space. There are good use cases, depending on what we're talking about. So there's really two problems. You need to be able to handle far more complexity. So way more data needs to be considered and speed need to be faster. Well, humans aren't really good with added complexity at a faster rate. <laughs> so that gets difficult and it gets to a point where the reality of it is, is you need every single one of your SKUs needs to have a optimized strategy just for it. And it needs to adapt moment by moment. That's just the reality. Good luck. Right. I mean, if you've got a thousand SKUs, that's a thousand strategies. And like, you're going to be spending every second 
pulling that through and you can't do it. So the reality is you need a model that can actually run its own experiments to understand what is true, to factor in far more of that complexity and be able to self-optimize over time. If you have a model, you can now, in theory, assign it to a thousand SKUs, and each of those thousand SKUs has its own unique behavior, factoring in what is true there. And so that's when we came out with with Maven. We call it a model intentionally. Yeah, it's a strategy, but really it is a model because it's not a single strategy that does one thing. It will actually study and test your competition to know if I'm competing against Dustin, I have to reprice 10 cents below to pull the buy box. But if I'm repricing against Chris, I can match him because he's going to match me. So, so now that we're starting to understand that, we now can say, well, depending on who I'm competing with, I can utilize different behaviors myself to get to my ideal outcome. And so Maven will do that. It has its own memory. So we store a lot of this stuff. You know, max prices are gone. So what's what's fun is if you go from like a role-based strategy where you have, you know, 15 plus settings you need to set and decide on, Maven asks for one thing. How do you want your minimum price to set? Everything else, like max is gone. We have something called auto max. Because like I was saying, that same toy in Q1 versus Q4, very different. Max prices are useful though. Because if we know that you suppress the buy box at 30 bucks, great, factor that in. Let's not do that again. Otherwise, we're just going to keep doing it over and over. It's, it's, it's not efficient. So we can look at things like that. Is Amazon including a competitive price? 15 to 20% of the, the SKUs we sampled did have that. Okay, well, we know we're going to have a problem if we go above that. So we can add a lot more of this complexity. Um, and maybe this is our first version of the model. It does one thing. It's fine-tuned for one outcome. Define an optimal price. Optimal price is defined by a balance between sales velocity and profitability. We want to find both. Eventually, we can have a model where it says, I actually want more velocity or I want more profitability. First one's balance. What's nice is that balance, we can actually, um, we can calculate it. We can say that's the optimal price. And the optimal price, by the way, changes moment by moment. So what is happening is we have this ideal outcome, which is getting you and the buy box, ideally, to the optimal price, which is typically slightly higher <laughs> than where people are competing. So if I know where I need to go and I understand how each of you are going to um, compete against me, I can then utilize different behaviors to get us up here. And so what's nice is you're getting more optimization, more complexity handled, but you as the user have to do less. And we have, we introduced something called hyperdrive, which is um, one of the upsides I was talking about, like being able to do this re-architecture. When people say we have instant repricing in the repricing world, what that means is the software company, like us, the third party, we're not slowing you down. We're not delaying you. However, to go full circle from we submitted it to it's confirmed by Amazon takes about a minute and a half to two minutes round trip. So funny enough, that's called instant repricing. Well, we just beat instant repricing because for up to 50 SKUs, we can actually do that full round trip within 10 seconds. And Maven, the model, uses hyperdrive. So complexity, Maven, speed, hyperdrive. So the point in where are we going now is less about What's the right strategy, settings, and tweaks? And it's more about how do we further utilize software and code to handle far more things in a way that is actually intelligent, um, that is not so rigid. And I think that's important. How are you able to go to 10 seconds? Is that just like new technology, new API, new <laughs> strategy? I can't tell you exactly how we're doing it. 
Um, but what I can say it is we are utilizing the new SP API gotcha. in a very unique way. Um, and we've tested it at stable. Um, what a lot of developers did and what we actually did for legacy is when everybody um, got deprecated on the MWS API, the old API every mm -hmm. uh, developer used, they said, hey, you got by this date and data will stop flowing. Well, it doesn't make sense to rebuild your whole system. You just say, great. Well, if I have this API endpoint in MWS, what's the same thing in SP API and you swap them out and you re-authenticate? Well, we were already rebuilding and redesigning the backend architecture of like how everything is modeled at a very technical level. So we're like, well, hold on, why don't we pause for a moment and see what is possible with this API as if we're rebuilding or as if we're building Aura for the first time. Yeah. And one of those outcomes was actually a uh, hyperdrive. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Maven, I'm looking, I haven't, haven't used this yet, but now, <laughs> now I'm going yeah. to. That seems like you would recommend that over than yes. crafting your own strategy just because it's much more dynamic and it's taken in because there are so many factors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you don't want that race to the bottom all the time. And, yeah. you know, what I like the no max price because I'd rather have Wonderful. smart figure out what that <laughs> max because I mean, a lot of times you're, you know, yeah. you're in a, you know, a product. If your max price is like 200% ROI or something that you've said, yep. well, you may be the only person selling it, but you either get a suppressed buy box or it's just you yep. outpriced the market. No one's going to buy it. So that's that's bad in itself. So I'd rather something yep. figured out. So what do I do for this Maven? I just turn that on and I set my minimum ROI, essentially. And, and assign it to the listings you want to use it with. That's it. It, it will self-optimize. So it could take anywhere from a few minutes on very competitive listings where we're getting a ton of data um, up to a day or so depending on if it's less competitive, because um, it's taking in all this information, right? And it's actually running its own little testing to say, okay, well, what's actually happening here? Based on that, here's what I'm gonna do moving forward. And it will continue to do that. Okay, well, now I got a question, because this is where this is ties in. I'm wondering if Maven does this stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So a lot of times, um, you know, the prep center sends it in. Okay, it checks yep. into Amazon. Um, yep. Now I've got a live listing. Uh, however, it's all in FC transfer for five yes. days. I'm noticing that I turn my, I'm turning my repricer on, so there's getting it's getting repriced while my inventory is not in a predominant or premium position to sell. Right. So I'm wondering, am I driving down prices while no one would be buying me anyway, or yeah, what, is, what would what would a Maven intelligence do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah, so Maven understands positioning really well. So in that case, when you have a available or an active listing, but not a fulfillable SKU, you need at least one fulfillable unit, um, it's actually going to hold your price at, a, at that calculated automax price. So it's realistic, right? We're not going to take you from, let's say, a buy box of 50 up to 82. It's probably unrealistic, but we might take it up to, like a, let's say, a 63 if that calculation works out that way. Um, that way, it is realistic. So if we happen to come in and let's say there's only one other seller right now, we're close enough to where that seller either manually or using their repricing tool will actually pop up with us and be like, oh, actually, that's a better offer. It's close enough. Let's work with that. And then we can kind of get to it. Um, so it will do that, which is kind of nice. So we've seen a lot of times where, it, you know, as well as I do, like you send in 20 units that are not all getting checked in at the same time, right? You have like two go live, you get some sales. So it'll pop back up. It'll get some sales again, pop it down, right? Like it'll do this kind of jumping around because the whole idea here again is like 
it's finding a way to find that balance between sales velocity and profitability. So it's not going to push down in a way that's going to negate that balance. If it finds it's out of balance, it will self-adjust. And that's what's important. I yeah. love it. I'm switching yeah. everything over to Maven. It sounds like, <laughs> and that, that and sounds like the right move. Is that right, Dylan? That sounds like the right move. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are introducing a more premium tier called, which is the pro tier. So essentially what's happening on pricing and packaging, um, when users migrate from legacy to 1.0, everybody's defaulting to the essential tier, which is what you've kind of, it's the same thing you've been on price-wise, right? Still 97 bucks, way more features added. Um, mobile support, which I can show you guys is actually pretty sick. So like full on mobile support now. Um, so tons of updates there. What we wanted was to say, hey, listen, it's a whole brand new system. What, can we just give you far more value and performance without you paying a dime more? That's what we wanted. Um, and then we said, okay, well, we have this segment of users that need really advanced stuff. And they're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars plus per month. That's a different kind of segment of users, right? So we sat down and said, okay, what really makes sense packaging wise here, right? Because yeah, it's it would be simplistic to say everybody should just use AI. But if you're doing like five or ten, maybe even fifteen thousand a month in revenue, yeah, it is objectively better. But is it so much better that you should pay extra for it? Probably not. You're probably not in that cohort quite yet. And so pro tier actually includes um, a few additional things like multiple users. So actually you can have your VA in there. They can have their own account instead of sharing your credentials. Um, and you get access to Maven and all 50 hyperdrive credits. So on the essential, you get five credits of hyperdrive because we there are some listings where you kind of need that speed. Um, pro is really designed for sellers that are actively scaling and growing. And I think that's important. Um, we do allow you to trial it, by the way. So the way the new trial works, if you, if you start with Aura for the first time, you get access to everything to see what really makes sense for you. So it's kind of like hyperdrive. People are like, well, if, if, if I can go from a minute and a half to two minutes on average round trip to less than 10 seconds, why wouldn't I apply this to everything? Great question. Unfortunately, there's a technical limit at 50 SKUs. <laughs> so unless you have less than 50 SKUs, you really can't. Uh, that's just a technical limit because if we go from 50 to 100, the speed slows down, but it slows down exponentially. So it doesn't go from 10 seconds to 20. It goes from 10 seconds to like a minute real fast. So eventually, so basically you kind of lose the performance upgrade there. Um, so it's really for sellers that are actively like growing their business. I was talking to a seller the other day. He's like, I'm trying to figure out like if that makes sense for me. I was like, well, what are you trying to do? Cause like his current sales is like, I don't really think it makes sense for you at your current level, but like, wh what's your goal here? And he's like, well, I just hired two people and I'm going to double my sales in the next like month or two. Okay. Well, that's a different story, right? Like if that's where you're going, you sh probably should utilize pro features because it's going to help you get there faster, right? That whole compounding effect. And I think depending on where you're at, there's, there's two use cases of applying software. Either you already have the problem, in which case you kind of needed it 30 days ago, and now you're just adding it to fix the problem, or you have a goal in mind and that software can help you get that goal faster. Now that's more of an investment. And I think that's what's important um, is kind of how to think about like, where should I fit kind of in that mold? Um, that's super important. <laughs> Excuse me again. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> what, what's the most, and forgive me, I'm not in the, you know, rotating buy box world, but mm -hmm. like, what's the most pressing 
like uh, metric those are trying to get? Is it, you know, if they set their minimum ROI or is it a minimum price on an item? What if Dustin and I sell the same item and we have the same numbers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the buy, top, buy box is rotated. Like what, what are some answers to those? Um, clarify that for me just a little bit more. Yeah, like what do what's like the minimum what's the main metric sellers are using when they use your tool to measure success yeah is it like i need to be minimum five dollars a unit or is it yeah like 20 percent roi like and and if we have the same numbers how does this tool work to make sure that we're you know still getting the buy box yeah great question so it's hard to say there's one metric right minimums are important that's really the input we we want to look at the output right like what is the outcome here and so it's hard to say sales. Yes, that's true, but <laughs> you want sales with healthy profit margin, right? Because I can drop your sales, I can drop your prices by half and get you plenty of sales, but you're not exactly sure. happy. So we're trying to find a balance between how can we maximize the total dollars you're doing and either profit margin or ROI, depending on how you're doing that. Um, a lot of people look at straight buy box ownership percentage. Um, I again think that's slightly too simplistic. Um, just because you have you know, an 80% buy box ownership percentage doesn't mean that that's actually optimal. You know, in an interesting way, you want a balance of all these things. Sometimes you actually want to not be in the buy box because it has pushed down and you're intentionally trying to pull up. So especially if you're using a tool like or a, a model like Maven, it's intentionally going to take you out of it because of what it's trying to do is get not only your price, but the buy box price higher at that optimal price. And so if you're being more strategic about it, it's a combination of all these things. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, like our support team, they, they have uh, two KPIs. The first one we set was median first response time during business hours, right? It had to be less than 10 minutes, but then there's an easy way to hack that. You just jump in and say, Hey, on everything. And all of a sudden you hit your goal, right? You need a balance of quantity or speed and quality metrics. So to offset that, um, we essentially have a CSAT. So a customer satisfaction rating of greater than 95%. So that kind of helps provide an incentive model that is correct. So it's hard for people when they're like, oh, I just want to double my buy box ownership percentage. I don't know if that's good or not, right? There's so much more to analyze because it's really like repricing is about finding the optimal, there's an optimal price for a sale every single second. And repricing is designed to get you there. I mean, I agree totally. I mean, I've noticed this where it's like i'll sell through an item real quick and you know in the the past and looking back at it i just went straight to my minimum and and i know i mean if if i'm selling that many if i could have pulled somebody back up temporarily i mean i could have made a dollar two dollars more on every you know on 50 percent of those sales and that just Mm -hmm. changes the the roi on that big time so i'm real yes so I'm excited about Maven. I'm going to definitely be checking. So there's an interesting pattern, right? Because we watch people go from like using the old system to to be like, I'm putting everything on Maven. Like, great. And we we watch it, right? Like what's happening here? Um, We find that most people will see a slowdown in velocity and units sold, but an increase in margin. So that tells me most people are too aggressive and actually losing out on margin where, you know, you might have a pullback of let's say 10% on um, velocity but an increase of 15 to 20% on margin. So that actually made sense. Some cases it is the inverse, right? You kind of have this flipper mentality of, well, I bought it here. I'm just going to wait it out up here. Um, and in that case, 
you know, well, again, it's, it's finding that same kind of balance. We'll actually say, well, actually that's, you know, 70% margin or ROI you're getting is a little too high. If we brought it down 10%, you can move 30% more velocity. And now you're avoiding long-term storage fees. You have more access to your capital because it's more liquid now. So you can actually scale and compound faster. Um, there are cases where you definitely like liquidation is a good example where you want more velocity than you do uh, profitability. Um, but generally speaking, you want to find that balance, right? Like you want to maintain healthy margins with healthy velocity. The, the hard part is those two things kind of oppose one another. And so finding that is the difficulty. That really leads me into my next question. Um, Cause this is something I really struggle with is like when to liquidate <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and what's the best way to do it. Cause I'll find out all the time, like early mm -hmm. on, you know, I was really trying to keep the cash flow going. So if something just sat, you know, the, the minimum or the buy box went way below, like where my minimum was and just stuck for 30 days, yeah. I would just drop that minimum price to really low liquidate, get it back. <laughs> I'm playing with that time because I'm almost more now to like the 60, 90 day range before I do that, because I'll, I'll find out or I'll do some research and be like, you know what? I'm looking at the inventory levels of all of my competitors and they've only got a couple units left. If I just sit this out for another week, that yeah. price is going to, I'll be the only seller. It'll bump back up and I'll, yeah. I'll make this profit just by waiting a week. Is there, is there something with liquidation that can, <laughs> could be automated? Um, mm -hmm. Even if I'm just setting up like, look, something hits 90 days switch the yep. strategy to, and what would you set as a liquidation strategy? You sure. know, can that be automated? Inventory, it's 90 days, boom, yep. let's let's get it to liquidation. And is that the right frame? Yeah. Time frame? yeah, so timeframe is very difficult. It depends on the seller, what's happening. So I tend to look at your your uh, your capital and your cash flow. So if you have a lot of capital, um, the opportunity cost of you letting it sit there a little bit longer is less of a problem. If you're really like the moment you get a payout, you spend it and it's that fast. Um, a lot of times, you know, sellers will hold things like, Oh, I'm just gonna wait 30 days. I'm like, I get it. But like that theoretical 30 days. And by the way, it could be 90, the opportunity cost of you not selling it at a, at a break even, even, and then spending it on something that is profitable in a shorter period of time, multiple times, that's high, right? So like a lot of sellers don't think about opportunity costs, but a lot of opportunity costs comes down to what the opportunity you actually have. So if you have a lot of capital, I would say probably less of a problem. If your capital's churning really fast, you should really have a higher liquidation rate in terms of how fast you're moving things. So um, like when I did wholesale, I wanted things to be moving. Um, my sell-through rate was two weeks. I wanted it to come in and be sold in two weeks. Now that meant I didn't do big wholesale orders like a lot of people did. I did smaller, more frequent orders. So I would order every single week. But by doing that, I kind of, I basically lowered my average age of inventory um, so that, and if there was ever a problem, I didn't risk a ton of inventory. I just paused and then got back to it two or three weeks later if I needed to. So a lot of people will, will do larger orders for the discount, which can like totally make sense. But I think some people go a little too hard on that and not realize the risk they are taking um, and locking things down. So age is really tough. And by the way, um, if you go into 1.0, you, you can click the, uh, little plus icon in the top right of the listings tab, the table, 
and scroll down, you have age of inventory added as a metric now. So you can see this. I saw that. In -app. Love it. Love <laughs> yeah, it. So you got that now. Now, can you automate that? Um, yeah, you can. Right now in Aura, no, but because we just added that data, now what we can do is we can create an event for workflows to say, if I have a SKU where my age of inventory, uh, if I have at least one unit in 90 plus days, go change my strategy to my liquidation strategy. So you can actually have it change back and forth. What we're thinking though is with this Maven model, because um, it's a model we can tweak it and add new data sets to it and see if that increases or decreases performance, right? We can test. I think it will make sense for us to include age of inventory in that model so it can factor that in for you. Because when you first come in, you wanna be a little bit conservative, right? And as it sits there, you wanna be more aggressive. Totally makes sense. So why couldn't the model do that for you as well? So when you're, yeah, that would be amazing, obviously. Um, yeah. so, you can, so right now inside, you think I can make a workflow where it says if it hits a certain- So we haven't added that as a, as a event or a trigger yet, but we have the data. So we can, basically we'll be able to circle back and add it as a new version now that we have the data. So we don't have the support for using age of inventory as a trigger for a workflow, but now that we have the data, we can now create the trigger, if that makes sense. Yeah. Let yeah. me know. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When that happens. What just in terms of liquidation strategies, uh -huh. what what are you what do you recommend for someone to set? So like if I just have made a strategy so I can manually yeah. go do it right now when I see it hits 60 or 90 days, turn yeah. on liquidation. But do you does you put your I mean, you can you do a negative ROI? So you can't do that in app. You can't create a strategy yet. We're probably gonna change this where you can set a negative dynamic value that was intentional for the old system because if you scrolled on your mouse it would actually adjust the value so we found that if somebody put in you know 12 and like accidentally scrolled it could go to negative 300 and then not realize it so we just made that a non-issue um, new Aura doesn't have that kind of same functionality with a scroll inside an input field so we can fix that um so what i recommend is you you create a strategy where you never go to your max you never raise your price you always price below you target the buy box because that's where you're going to get sales and your minimum ROI is 0%. Here's what's good about that though. The first phase is you go to that. And if things are still not moving, because you're automatically calculating your minimum price at 0% ROI, you know, that's your break even. Now you can actually override the automatically calculated minimum price and set a manual one. So if, if break even is 15 bucks, you can be like, well, I'll set it to 13. Perfect. That's now technically negative, right? Um, the model just can't, or the the strategies just can't do that quite yet. But we're gonna we're gonna change that. Okay. So yeah. first first step, you'd go to zero ROI just yep. to get your money back, and then ideally you'd be able to set a trigger where that lasts, you know, two weeks or whatever, yep. and then whatever change your minimum price to zero. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, at a certain point, things like it's a sunk cost fallacy, right? Like you already spent the money. And just because it was profitable at 30 and now it's selling at 10 and your buy cost is 12. Yeah, you should wait a little bit. <laughs> but if that's where all the offers are and you're the sole person at, at the higher end at 30, you already lost the money, right? right? You just haven't claimed it. So it's better for you to take the L, take the loss, pivot that capital that you did get back into more profitable inventory that you can then begin to rebuild the profits for, you know what I mean? makes total sense yeah that's kind of what i was envisioning setting up um yep an automated way would be amazing uh, yeah <laughs> moving forward 
But I, yeah, I mean, all of this is fascinating. I mean, I'm super curious to see what what Maven does. Uh, yeah. So I'll just I'm going to switch all of my listings to that. Now that Dustin yeah. switched, is it going to go <laughs> into an effect like tomorrow? So like when he when repricing happens, immediately changes over. Okay. Immediately. And so Dustin, you'll enjoy this. So old aura, I call it a goldfish because it didn't have listing memory. So if you went to old legacy aura and let's say every one of your SKUs is using strategy A, and let's say you're automatically setting your min prices to 15%. If it's now Q4 and you want to raise that to 30. So you go and you change the 15 to a 30 and you click save. Nothing happens. Why? Because we're waiting for the next organic price change to come through for us to then have the data to respond to. On average, that's 15 minutes, could be as high as three hours. So old aura would receive a price change, we would react to it and forget it ever happened. That's why I call it a goldfish. Now, that was fine seven years ago. But again, speed and complexity, right? So because we re-architected everything, um, we in instituted something called a replay system. So at any moment, we store the most recent offer change notification, the whole data set. So a new or if you do that same thing, you change the 15 to a 30%, you click save, your prices are updating now immediately. There's no delay. So old aura is very reactive to organic price changes, but new aura 1.0 is actually very responsive to you as the user. When you make changes to your strategy, to your listings, you want it to reflect now. So even if you know we even if you make a change and it's been 15 minutes since we saw a new price change information or notification, that's fine because we already have the most recent one. Um, so we can replay that same offer change data using your updated settings in uh, strategies and stuff like that, um, which is really cool. And by the way, we also have pages that have something called auto refresh. SKUs are that way, the listings page is that way, the, the uh, dashboard's that way. When you toggle it on every five seconds or is checking for updated information. If we have it and you're not seeing it, we'll push it to the page. You don't press refresh, you don't click, you know, the refresh button, F5, what have you, you just let it sit there and it will automatically update every five seconds. And so what's nice is when you pair all this together, especially on a SKU page, let's say you change your minimum price and that forces a price change to occur. If you're using hyperdrive and the page is auto refreshing, you're either going to see one of two things happen. Either that first refresh at five seconds, it's pending. We're waiting for confirmation. We've already submitted it. Uh, and then on refresh number two, it's confirmed or the first refresh, it's actually just confirmed. You actually never saw it be pending because it just happened that fast. So the whole idea here is how do we make the application, the actual software, far more responsive to you, not only in terms of you making changes, but also the data you're looking at, right? What are you doing when you log in? You're analyzing data to then make a decision and take action on it. So if that data is even five or 10 minutes outdated, again, speed here matters, you're making an outdated decision. So now everything's happening as real time as we can get it from the from the API. I love it. I've noticed that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Data's updated. I didn't refresh. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah. That's really that's really nice. <laughs> um man, my whole <laughs> jacked up. Um okay, last I know I know we got a hard stop coming up, mm -hmm. but you know, just from a a general principle in in this type of in this market and selling. OARA. One thing I've noticed, I, I subscribe to a lot of leads lists. Um, that obviously helps get the ball rolling on yep. sort of products. Um, a lot of them are great. Uh, you know, they'll calculate, you know, they're looking at the data today and you'll be like, oh, this has a 60% ROI, you know, for, mm -hmm. so you make the buy. Um, but almost always 
I think my average ROI is like 20, 25%. Uh, I think yeah. after, I think after everything. Um, and, I, and like I said, I'm setting that minimum at, at 10%. Is mm -hmm. that, is that kind of what you, what you see? I mean, 25% is great. If you can flip your money four times, sure. double it. Uh, sure. That's fantastic. But is that, is that about what you see across the board is at, you know, as things start repricing, competition comes mm -hmm. in, prices drop a little bit. Yeah. Anytime you're talking about a leads list uh, and nothing like I think leads lists are great. Um, I think they're a great jumping off point. I don't mm -hmm. think you should build a business on top of lead lists because you're kind of outsourcing the whole thing that makes you money, which is the skill set of sourcing. And it's kind of like us being a tech company and outsourcing <laughs> engineers, right. you know, um, so you have this problem where it looks great until 30 people jump on it and right. now you fundamentally changed it. Right. So it's, you know, to get nerdy for a moment, it's kind of like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Schrodinger's cat, right? So it's like the cat in the box is both dead and alive, right? So how it looks now is one way, but the moment you uh, sellers jump on it, it's a fundamentally different listing. And I think a lot of people discount that too much and don't think about it where that skew looked great with 10 sellers, but you just tripled, if not quadrupled the competition on that. So fundamentally, What's going to happen if you have an increase of supply? Well, unless the demand raises with it, which is probably not, you're going to have a lower uh, amount of sales per person, right? Like it's the same, it's the same supply, right? Or same demand. If, if you're going to move a thousand units a month organically and, you know, 10 people are on it, great. We're each going to get a hundred. But if we go to 20, well, we just all lost half of our sales. So I think right. a lot of sellers kind of get frustrated by that. I don't think you should. I think it, it should just be expected behavior. This is why I think if you're looking at leads where the the potential ROI is like 30%, just go ahead and assume 15 to 10. Um, but this just goes to further show that leads are good jumping off points, but not where you stop. It's just where you begin. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the 20 to 30% ROI, I see this pretty constantly. It's very common. Yeah. Can, can tools read other sellers? inventory like if i knew I, dustin only had yeah. 10 yeah like, the hell with so, it dustin sell out of the 10 and i'll wait for him yeah. to sell out like can is that every fun? everybody asked when we came out with maven they started beta testing it was like oh can you factor that in i would love to the issue is that's not accessible via amazon's api right mm -hmm. kind of makes sense privacy wise and then it goes okay, well people kind of has that data which is true the problem though is building a model on top of a data set that you can't really trust the accuracy of, or you don't even know the accuracy of is really difficult because Kiba could say 10 and it's actually a thousand. Well, that's a fundamentally different scenario. Right. And so it would make things so much easier, <laughs> um, but welcome to software. There's data where you're like, man, if we just had that data set, it'd be so much easier, but like, you just can't get it. Um, so even like the nine, nine, nine trick where you could essentially scrape it, yep. that's kind of gone away as well. So, it's just, it's hard to get enough of that data that is precise and, and consistent to build something on top of. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what Helium 10 is doing. Like when I check inventory on Helium 10, I mean, you can, it's got to be doing that 999. Yeah. Where it's just because you see it like thinking, thinking, you thinking. Scrape, yeah, you, you scrape it essentially is all you do. Um, and that the reason why most of those tools that give you that data set are Chrome extensions is for that reason. Yeah. So, yeah. Fascinating. There's so much in here. I'm super excited about uh, setting up Maven. Um, yeah. I know that a lot of people that listen to this podcast, I mean, 
every time I talk to Chris and I talk this all the time, every time we do a, a conversation on wholesale or arbitrage, they're, they're usually one of our most popular episodes. There's like a hungry yeah. audience out there. There's a lot of people <laughs> that are trying to get into it. Um, yeah. and they need, they need quality repricers to run mm -hmm. this business. What do they, what do people need to do to check out Aura? Yeah, we, we keep it super simple. Um, so we have an ungated 14 day trial ungated, meaning we don't ask for a credit card up front. So you can use us for free for two weeks. Um, and use our team. Like when, like we're known for our support. So if you're like, I'd love to get started, but I'm kind of overwhelmed. Great. We have a little blue button in the bottom right of, of the application of any page. You click that, you talk to our team. It's not outsourced. Nobody's in the Philippines. It's all us um, in the States. And then what I recommend is get set up with a free trial, get connected, and then learn. We can get you up and running, by the way, in less than 10 minutes, like very easily. And so if you're not sure if, it, if now's a good time, because that is kind of difficult and it does depend, go start a free trial. And if it's, if now's not a good time, you're like, man, my sales are just not where they need to be to warrant having a repricing tool. Perfect. Pause, go keep building and sourcing, come back in three months, we'll reset your trial for you and get you sorted out. Um, but really lean on our team. Like we're, we are more than happy to analyze your account. If you're like, I think I set it up right, but let me get some confidence on this. Reach out to our team. Be like, hey, can you just review my strategies, my account? Tell me if I'm missing anything or if anything seems wrong. We'll tell you and we'll probably just fix it for you anyways. Right? So uh, use us for the work <laughs> is what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, just go org.com. Um, everything just got rebuilt. It's awesome. So when you get started, you actually trial by default all the pro features. Uh, so you get to try all the new cutting edge stuff for free, which is pretty cool. Well, I recommend everyone do it. If you're if you're doing any kind of flipping or arbitrage, you definitely need to check out Aura. 14 day yeah. trial. You'll love their interface. Um, you'll love Maven. I can't wait to. Check it out. <laughs> I'll have you back yeah. on. I'll give you the the uh, results of uh, my my test yeah. with Maven. But Dylan, yeah. thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. it it's been a blast, and uh, we'll get you. I know there's going to be a 2.0 coming out at some point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. Back on for that as well, but. Uh, again, yeah. thanks so much. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back at this on the next episode. Have a good